0: Crawlers. We would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where we have an amazing, awesome guest uh, this evening to chat with, uh, author M. Todd Gallaglass. Uh Now, Mattai ran into his right-hand man, I guess, Cody, at FanX, and uh, made some arrangements to get him on the show this evening to talk about, you know, writing his book's how he came to, to be in, in the writing forefront as well as oh, a lot of other awesome stuff because he's a gamer and, you know, he used to do renaissance fairs and so many other things. We're going to dive into this and have lots of fun this evening. And just remember, you know, we're going to be asking lots of questions and the points just don't matter. So, with that said, <laughs> with that said, let's jump in. And I know Matai has tons of questions, so I'm just going to let him jump in with those questions. even though I could probably ask questions.
1: Well, uh, yes, thank you very much, Daniel. I am Matai. Uh Over there is my bro, Krebs. Hello, hello. And most especially, we've got Gallo Glass. Can you introduce yourself to our audience, please? Hello,
2: I am. Uh, my, uh, let's see, let's go. I go, I publish fiction under M. Todd Gallo Glass. I publish my serious poetry uh, and academic, more literary poetry under. Michael Gallaglass and to be extra snooty and pretentious I publish uh, my academic papers and literary criticism under Michael Todd Galloglass, MFA comma MFA because I went into a lot of debt for those letters I'm gonna get the use out of them
3: you better <laughs> as you should
2: so uh I write I write fiction poetry literary criticism uh I'm a storyteller primarily And I used to perform at Renaissance fairs and Celtic festivals. Now I perform my own shows. Uh, I'll rent out a theater every once in a while and I'll perform at uh, other events, comic cons and science fiction conventions and stuff like that. I am just a big, huge nerd. I grew up before nerdy was cool and I, Mm -hmm. I, 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 I am enjoying now that the geek have inherited the earth. Uh, yes. as as problematic as some uh some uh, aspects of geekdom are uh but yeah it's cool and you know having my kids come up to uh, having um having uh one of my kids uh went in junior high school his friends went you killed Arthas! oh my god you're so cool that was that was kind of <laughs> awesome you know I, I was i was the cool nerdy gaming dad um yeah. and- oh,
1: wow Wow, you know, I I did see in your in your bio that you did a lot of poetry writing. I I wrote a poem recently too. Oh, go ahead. I want to hear this.
2: I, I would love to hear your poem. Yeah. Oh no, I no. dig.
1: You dig. He digs. She dig. We dig. They dig. It's not very long, but it's very deep.
3: <laughs> uh, uh, wow. <laughs> and with that, Gallo Glass leaves the show. With that. <laughs> Um, um actually i want uh, <laughs> to let me talk about that for a second if I may.
2: <laughs> let me put that no i seriously yes, i want to yeah 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 no i want to i want to put the i want to put the uh put my 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 academic hat on real quick um because that's an that's actually an awesome poem <laughs> and like the, so one of my one of my big pet peeves in um in the time I've spent in uh, academia and the literary community, because I have one foot firmly steeped in academia literary, and the other foot very, very firmly stamped in genre, is that so many literary academic writers uh are like every time you sit down at the at the keyboard or you you pick your pen and your notebook up, you have to bleed onto the page or into the keyboard. <laughs> and it's like, well, we're but but our job. Our job is to to shine a light on all of life, yeah. and and that includes the joy and the silliness, right? So, um, whereas whereas your poem is really, really, really dumb,
1: <laughs> but I'm but, not arguing. <laughs> no, but,
2: the, but the thing is, is, is it contains this sublime this sublime beauty in its dumbness.
1: Has anybody here seen the movie dead poet society? Uh, yes. yes.
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: There's I, you know, Robin Williams and a host of other uh, actors when they were very young. Uh, you'll recognize a lot of the faces. If you go back and see it, I think it was a 1990.
2: It was a 90, early uh, 90. 1989,
3: 1990.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Very early. Uh, Ethan Hawke. One of his
3: yeah. first. It was one of his first. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, after the explorers,
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. He was that too. Anyway, there was this thing in there and there's one of his students that, you know, was trying to just be, be stupid like me. And he, right. he said, everybody has to write a poem. And his poem was the cat sat on the mat. Right. Right. And, and, uh, Robin Williams character, the, the, the teacher kind of, uh, said what, what, what you were saying too. And, uh, just that there's, you know, poetry is, is an expression right of of oneself it's it's creativity and, and sometimes it's 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 big huge bleeding on the page like you said and sometimes it's very simple he says they can be ordinary they can be short or no they can be short they can be they simple can be sh- just don't let them be ordinary is what he right said. exactly
2: and so yeah so we're off to a good start it's, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm excited if that's where we're if that's a jumping off point
3: <laughs> Don't worry well, it's he- all downhill from here okay. yeah <laughs> well one of the
1: things that I wanted to talk about first off is that I have actually been really excited to to meet you because I've I, I've seen your bo- your booth and uh, some of your work at, at previous FanX and things uh, and I never got a chance to talk to you uh, until now but your name immediately caught my attention. Uh, mm-hmm. as a teenager and young adult, I was a big fan of Christopher Stasheff's Warlock series. Yes. And the main character in that is Rod gallo Glass.
2: Yes, no relation. So
1: how many times <laughs> do you get asked about that? Not
2: not so much anymore. Back when I was first, so I went to my very first con in uh my my very first con, I was 16 maybe 17 uh it was a it was a little podunk uh science fiction convention here in Sacramento called Eclecticon Ooh. <laughs> and and i i keep every once in a while i keep thinking about trying to revitalize it um but uh but i'm not going to i'm going to do my own <laughs>
1: uh oh
2: but um but but i about as so through through the late 80s and early 90s I got a lot of people going Gallaglass? I'm like, no. So Gallaglass actually, uh, from that series he, it is actually Irish for mercenary uh, right. the, the Gallaglass warriors and so there's two sides of the, the family is there's the the Irish side that spells it with one S and then the Scottish descendants of the Gallaglass spell it with two S's. So it just it just happened to be, and I've read many of the Warlock books. Uh, I, I, it just is a, a crazy random happenstance. Truth is stranger than fiction in this
3: case. <laughs> so, uh, you you brought up the convention, the Eclecticon. You mentioned that you're you're based out in Sacramento. Is that the case? Mm-hmm, yeah. And you came to Salt Lake City to attend Fanex. Yes. So, how? Uh, first of all, is that your first Fanex? It doesn't no. sound like it was. Second, how was this Fanex for you?
2: This Fanex was amazing. It was. Um, uh, I have been doing my first Salt Lake Comic Con. I believe was in 2015 mm, when wow. the Salt Lake Comic Con was still a thing. Yeah. Um,
3: uh,
2: but the con I've... that shall not be named. <laughs> and for legal reasons. For legal reasons, and yeah, we let's not even get into that because I could, I, I, I have many feelings about that. Um, for being a nerd, watching it from the outside of Utah, yeah. So uh, anyway, we have to
3: talk about that off the air because I'm curious for you stand on that, but please go on. Right. So, um, I've been going to Utah
2: events since 2013 or 2014. Mm-hmm um i've done LTUE. i've done LTUE coming up on 10 years life the universe and everything Mm
3: -hmm. which
2: i'm excited to go back there this year because they're having me do my my storytelling show uh i've done uh, i've i've done fan x salt lake comic con a couple of times uh the first time i just got an artist alley table the second two times i was with publishers uh with a publisher that i'm no longer with and then last year uh, I went and it was terrible, mm-hmm. just because of my location. Not because like Fanex did their best to do right by me. I just got in in a in a really crappy location. Um, and then when I was at LTE this year, their programming their programming director and I talked and said, "Hey, I'm like excited to come out." And he goes, "What after last year?" I said, "And and here's the thing is that a lot of um, beginning." creators or even mid-level creators don't get is that one year at one event if it's crummy doesn't mean you shirk off that event right Mm. you take in all the data points that you've got uh and so he was really surprised and i said dude it was if if you can't roll with the punches and realize oh this this is the these are the reasons and if we can fix the reasons and we had lunch and uh, he said, "This is what we'll, this is what we'll do for you." And I said, "Yeah, cool. I'm in. I'm in again." And I came in this year, and they treated me really, really well. I pretty much got everything I wanted. Uh, I got a lot of FaceTime with uh, like my um, my existing fans in the Utah area. I made a lot of new fans. You know, uh, other crabs got to come over to the table and meet uh, <laughs> Cody, and Cody talked him up, and I was like, "Okay, cool." So I'm like i'm continuing to see residual benefit from going to Fanex this year uh and it's 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 about b- going to these cons and everything is about building up relationships mm-hmm. and um the only place in the the only place right now i get treated better than i do um by and large by uh the two utah events fan x and life the universe and everything that i go to is uh a convention in northern california the bay area called bacon of, of you know
3: <laughs> yeah bacon
2: and they treat me they treat me really well and i've been going there as a panelist uh since my second year as a professional i've been i've been going there for over 10 years they treat me really 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 good and um their programming director is amazing and will just go to bat for me it's like so uh for me it's if if people treat me right over multiple years. If I have a bad year at a thing, it's just a bad year. And so I just keep, I'll keep going. So, Absolutely. and I love, I love, New, I, it's odd, but I love Utah nerd. It's <laughs> right. It's, it's this very strange, it's this very strange thing. Um, And I would have, I would have never thought in the beginning of my career, that one of my, the biggest home bases that I would have would be in the greater salt lake area and now i'm like oh i'm gonna go to salt lake again
1: (laughs) it's interesting you say that uh krebs and i both uh, spent many of our formative years growing up in california Mm -hmm. especially in the central valley there okay Uh, so we're very familiar with a lot of the same areas and come when when i moved out to utah my experience was very much like what you said it's it's okay to let your nerd flag fly yeah, it, it uh, is. I, I, I had a couple of other friends that I'd made out here and I didn't know this, but they were closet cosplayers <laughs> <you know? laughs> and they were like super into it. And they said, Hey, yeah, there's a cosplay convention downtown that, you know uh, this, this time each year. And then I had another friend who was a big tabletop gamer. He said, yeah, they got this big board game convention in Salt Lake city every year. I, I had no idea. And I think last year there was even a, uh, a Rubik's cube uh, competition in Salt Lake city. And I was like, dang, I should have gone to that. Wow. <laughs> and, and then of course we've got, we've got fan And I think when, uh, uh, Dan far and his friends started this thing out, they were thinking there might possibly be enough to get this thing going, but we don't know if there's gonna be critical mass. We can do it a second year or anything. They originally had it scheduled for, the uh, the Southtown expo center in Sandy, mm. um, which was, which is a good venue, um but much smaller than the salt palace yeah much smaller. and yeah they sold out so many tickets they had to move to the salt palace their very first year it wow. was it was just incredible so and yeah now it definitely it's definitely a culture out here
2: right well and now is fan x is one of the top like one of the top draws like i met people from all over somebody came from wyoming or a couple idones some people came from arizona to go to to go to that um so, and and now they're all on my email list. So we'll see if we can, yeah. we can convert That's them great. into buying However,
0: buying you know, the 90s here in, in, in Utah was not that great. I, I
3: believe you, <laughs> but we spent our 90s in the Central Valley. So yeah ours, yeah, ours was a combination of great music and trying not to get stabbed. Well, <laughs>
2: I'll tell you, I'll tell you that uh, aside from swing dancing, the 90s were pretty lousy. Yeah,
3: yeah. I heartily disagree. I love the 90s, but let us move on
2: yes all right well
3: you know uh
1: you you mentioned ltue and i was gonna uh mention that during the the show as well you you actually come and you you got these appearances for those of you that will be in utah it'll be february 2023 and then you've also got some stuff coming up in in sacramento and other things in the bay area Uh, you want to tell our listeners about that
2: um let's see the, i've got uh, on november 19th uh i'm doing my bard for life show at the delta king theater in sacramento it's actually on the riverboat it's it's my favorite mm. venue it's the mark twain theater it's so awesome uh it's a really it's an intimate theater 100 seats in the bottom of the riverboat it's amazing uh i'll be let's see the other thing the other the only things i have actually scheduled right now is uh ltue uh next february and then bacon which is going to be 4th of july weekend in uh in san mateo in, in the bay area which conflicts with westercon which is in utah but and and that's a, that's a that was a tough call for me but um BACON is treating me better a little longer than utah people are and so and that's yeah. and and also and also yeah it's a like two hour drive as opposed to a 10 hour drive so yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely so bard for life you mentioned I actually caught a clip of that on uh on youtube and doing a show prep for this and this is the kind of stuff that uh that, that I just eat up it is, uh, okay. as I understand, this is my impression. You tell me if I if I could describe this correctly. It is the art of storytelling by a real storyteller.
2: Right. So basically, um, uh, I I I grew up Irish Catholic, and so I basically got raised on the old Irish tales and and uh, dirty Irish Catholic jokes. <laughs> Uh, and then I went to ren, but and then I went to Renaissance fairs, and I was playing an English peasant, and I was kind of doing storytelling uh, a little bit, but not really great. But this guy Stripes, who was a minstrel storyteller, and when they called him Stripes because all of his clothes were striped, uh, he uh, he took me under his wing, and he was uh, he was the gleeman before Wheel yeah. of Time, right? Great, so. Relevance. Well, so the gleeman, the, the, Robert Jordan borrowed heavily from uh, like actual mythology and cultures, and oh, things.
1: yeah, right, right. That was his. That was his thing. That was the right. point of his story. And
2: gleeman are an actual uh, Irish storytelling tradition. I have a gleeman's cloak with the little tatters of of fabric. But the thing that Robert Jordan left out is that in the true gleeman tradition, the fabric represents a, each swatch of the or each patch of fabric represents a story and people can go pick the story that they want
3: wow that's way so, cool
2: yeah and so and so he took me under his wing and and so that's where my career as a gleam and storyteller began um and, but the reason i call it bard for life it because people will call me a bard and because of irish catholic baggage i don't want to accept that mantle because bard in irish culture has this huge weight of cultural baggage mm. i've never been to a bard at college i don't tell i speak i speak irish very very poorly <laughs> um and uh so but i call the show bard for life because if i said gleeman for life only people who read robert jordan would have any idea what i was talking about
3: <laughs> and the pun wouldn't work that's true right that's true. so that's true, yeah uh, how much experience for the Bard? No, uh, that, that's a reference one of my favorite nerd movies. Uh, actually, speaking of being a storyteller, I want to dive in to a discussion about your book, and I hope I'm getting the title right, The Nine Tenths Memoir. Yes, The Nine Tenths Memoir. Okay, oh. so so I'll ad, I'll admit I haven't had a chance to read very much of it, but <laughs> I have read the first several pages, and I am sucked in. T- like, tell him
1: how many uh, chapters, how many pages before you were hooked.
3: Uh, okay, so first page, there's an adjustment period because it's written in a very unique prose. Right. Uh, so first page, adjustment period. But second page, I found it interesting. And uh, Mattai and I were talking before the show. I was on page six. and I'm like, I can't stop reading this. This is incredible. This is like uh, you and I have certain threads in common. And in, in my previous life, before I became a <laughs> professional nerd... Uh, I was an English major, love the Bard Shakespeare, you know, all that stuff. I also have like a performing background, things like that. Uh, we <laughs> should talk, we should talk ballroom sometime. But anyway, uh, the point is, uh, I, I was reading through your chosen prose, how distinct and unique it is, and I could not help, but just be intellectually both stimulated, captivated and, um, intrigued by what was being communicated there. Can you... I, I don't want to spoil it for the people at home, but uh, well, so I'll just—I'll
2: just, a I'll just off the top of my head give the first couple of uh, first couple of lines from the first page because I haven't memorized. Oh, nice. <laughs> we has words. We writ them down. These no words in mouth. These no words in head. These be words we has writ down and can keep. We. Ha- we does not know if we can keep words in the later or something. Uh, And that's where it starts to fade Words from a four. Words from a four. Yeah. So um, basically uh, I have a, in 2016, I did a challenge to myself over the year. Uh, I was like, can I write a flash fiction story every day? And I did. And then in 20 uh, towards the end of 2016, I started uh, my my MFA in fiction. So 2017 and 2018 was largely dedicated to the MFA. In 2019, I was like, okay, I want to do another thing, but I don't want to do the flash fiction thing again. Uh, but I want to do a basically a daily writing challenge. Uh, so what I did is I was like, Can I get a journal? This one right here. Ooh,
1: visual aids.
2: Yeah. So I got this journal and I said, can I write a novel, a page a day for a year and make it work? And then I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to write it a page a day, I'm going to frame it as like a journal or a memoir. And uh, then what I said is, okay, now how do I make this interesting? So I'm going to stay invested in it over the course of the year basically day by day by day by day and then i got i can't even remember where the idea came from but i was i was like i i had the idea of um sort well i had in my in my mfa in my fiction mfa i wrote this essay called why can't fantasy be more fantastical and i want Mm -hmm. because i'd been reading other stuff that ha- that was linguistically uh interesting and i was like why are why are we not playing why are not fantasy writers playing more with the language why is it this default of theing and thouing i remember i i one of the books that i i had asked if i could read one semester was the goblin emperor hmm. um and i got uh, like a chapter and a half in and the the snooty academic one started talking and kneeing and nowing. And I, and I threw the book across the room and told my teacher, I can't, I can't, no, I know I asked for this, but I can't finish this book. It's, <laughs> I'm, I'm over that. Right. I, we should be, for me, we should be in this great, like, we should be in this huge Renaissance of fantastical literature where we're playing with voice and we're playing with form and we're playing with setting and so much of it still defaults to um late medieval early renaissance europe right right, right. so and so then the the idea was i was going to play with a weird accident and then and then the character just happened and so the the premise is slight little spoiler but it, the premise is what after the day after the epic battle between good and evil a little goblin creature can spontaneously read and write, but not terribly well. And it's his memoir.
1: I, yeah, I've, I've been loving this story and I started reading the story first. I noted that it had 365 chapters. Uh, and I, and immediately <laughs> I thought, oh, is this, was this a yearly thing? And then I went to your website and, yep. and, and yes, that was, that was the case in the story you just shared, uh, but wh- where'd the title come from? It was a, the nine tenths project, is what you call it on your website. This is the right. nine tenths memoir. Uh, is that something we find out during this? St- because I haven't reached the end of it yet. Where'd that where'd that come from? The nine tenths part. The
2: nine tenths you got to read it to find out. <laughs>
1: that's
2: oh, okay, fair. that's fair. You got to you got to read it to find out, and and the transition from the nine tenths project because I was posting it daily on my Patreon too patreon.com slash m nice (laughs)
3: uh
2: so it was so it was on my patreon and so you you all have it easy because you are you are reading it you can you can just burn through it if you want my patreon my patreon or my patrons for patreon they read it daily Mm -hmm. And there were sometimes there were some there were a couple of times where uh, stuff happened in my life and I slagged off, but then I caught back up. Um, But they 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 had to read it daily. And a lot of the a lot of the stuff that happens later is I'm working on creating like little mini cliffhangers every single day because Scheherazade is uh, amazing. Right. Uh, Right. And so they were like, but. Uh, and oh, I made them mad.
3: (laughs) You made them the right kind of mad. Right, yeah.
1: I'm really, really enjoying this story, and normally I, I try to read through things very quickly. And hmm. I really wanted to have this book complete before this interview because of the prose, because the words aren't spelled right. It's weird. It's weird what's happening in my brain because I can't just look at a word that I'm familiar with and I've read a million times. I have to actually process it phonetically before I can right. get to the semantics of, of the word. I'll tell you, I'll tell you the weirdest thing that happened uh,
2: while I was doing this because I wrote it by hand. It took me a while after doing this because then what happened is uh um after I finished it there was a lady that I was really really into my first big like attempt a romance after my divorce uh and 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 to try and win her affections uh I hand wrote a copy for her and sent it to mm. her and then one of my re- oh, readers wow. bought bought uh, bought I had for a while I said you can buy you can own it and so I wrote it back out again so i have written this book by hand three times smokes! so but what happened was as i was doing that it took me a long time to (laughs) uh, to to rewire my brain back to normal english (laughs) because i would and and while i was writing it uh, like i would even because i would write a page and then i type it up on my on my on my patreon uh, and then I would message people and they go, Oh, you've been working on that book. Right. And I was like, <laughs> and I'd look at the thing and I would, I would be in the voice of that character, Like it, 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 and there are still even still now, sometimes, um, if I'm really getting going with, cause I'm doing right now, I'm doing the same thing with a couple more books, uh, the page a day thing. Um, uh, because I really enjoyed that process that i i sometimes catch myself going into that character's voice. Yeah. Uh, and this, it, and so like i i i rewired my brain in the writing of this book. And it's <laughs> uh and and i still ha- i still have so much like visceral fondness for for this book and um yeah.
1: It it this is one of those things that is it is what proves the don't judge a book by its cover kind of a thing because you think it's one thing but then you get into it and it really grabs you. What did you think Daniel?
0: Well I mean my, my kind of question is is by doing this I mean kind of different writing, does that kind of help keep the creative juices flowing because you know I know sometimes we get stuck as a writer at writing a certain style, but does that kind of break that monotony out? So that you can write different things. Um, I
2: I think that if I had tried to just write this straight as like, I think the thing that really gave me the power for continuing the story as long as I did, as and as strongly as it turned out, because I didn't know if I was gonna that it was gonna work. Yeah, like it was a thing that I was doing just to see if I could do it, and and it wound up that that in the writing of this not only did i have this this new kind of like fantasy story that i was telling but i had the book makes commentary on fantasy just in general uh uh layered into it but it also it also talks about gaming and it talks about sort of the philosophy of what people think uh uh yeah i i i there it explores questions about fantastical literature but also gaming culture and not just gaming culture from gamers but sort of the accepted cultures within gaming campaigns and um and discussions of identity and what is knowledge and 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 like the power of names uh and so i don't think i don't think it would have come some a lot of that stuff would have come out if i was just writing like eight hours a day right or 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 not eight hours a day but if i was doing these big chunks but basically what it was is i I would i would write and it would take generally each I don't think I spent more than 25 minutes on any given page until I got to the end, because when I got to the end, I had more space in the journal than, than there were days Mm -hmm. in the year. So they start the, the entries start getting a little bit longer. So I spent more time on those, but in general through the year, I didn't spend more than 25 minutes on anything. And most of them I cranked out in 10 to 20 and So a lot of it was able to be just organic. And I'm like, what am I trying to say in this? And there were a couple of times where I thought I knew where the story was going because I kind of had a sort of idea right from the get go. And, um, but it kept changing and, and I didn't try and force any given day to make it go in the direction i thought it was going to go i just enjoyed the writing of the thing that day and being in that moment and and i think that that was a really really powerful way for me to tell that story
1: oh well, it definitely worked i i can't recommend it enough um another story that you wrote and, and at the time of recording we're uh, less than two weeks away from halloween 22. Uh, One of the reasons why I sent you that story (laughs) (laughs) was (sighs) Halloween Jack and the Devil's Gate. And, you know, this this very strong Irish flavor uh, back in the 80s and 90s, I definitely went through an, an Irish phase, uh, you know, had listened to U2 and Cranberries and Enya and Right, <laughs> was all into that stuff. So I read this and it just it really resonated with me. And especially with the time of year. I mean, I I have read or heard legends and stories of magic boots and magic sticks. And there are certainly many variations of the legends of uh, Jack of the lantern. Right. So out of all the, the, the lore that's out there, why did you choose this particular story and to make it your own? So, uh, one of the stories that I
2: tell, uh, for my, for my storytelling show, uh, at, um, Renaissance Fairs it was called uh uh Bard's Cloak of Tales again Gleeman's Cloak of Tales but nobody knows what a Gleeman is unless they read Robert Jordan Brandon Sanderson, uh (laughs) which I have and so then when I left when I left Renaissance Fairs I called it Bard for life because I thought the pun was really clever uh but um the uh I tell a variation of the Jack of the Lantern story which is an old Irish story that actually predates Christianity um uh where it was um there's a hero uh and he tricks the dogda and or um no is it the dogda ah god i'm brain farting but there's these there's these uh, oh the fomori uh Mm. the fomori uh, are the ancient uh, monsters of irish in the in the 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 the, uh, original cycle of irish mythology and so there's a there's a mortal who tricks them and pisses them off so much that they stay away from him on Samhain, which is Celtic New Year's, which is Halloween. Mm -hmm. And so after Christianity, there's a bunch of different versions of, uh, there's a bunch of different versions of the story. There's the stingy Jack. There's the trickster Jack, where there's one where he's a thief. There's one where he's a murderer. There's a variation that I like a lot that he was in a battle at the he was supposed to be in a battle in the Crusades and die, and he didn't. So the devil's chasing him, and uh, but in, basically in every version of the story, uh, Jack is such a bastard and a bastard to the devil in life that in death the devil says, "No, you can't come to hell," <laughs> and so he carves he carves a, he car uh, Jack carves a lantern out of a turnip the original jack-o'-lanterns were turnips. And if you do a Google search for turnip jack-o'-lanterns, uh, y- you'll see like, yeah, if I was a demon and I saw fire inside of that thing, I'd stay away from it too. <laughs> they are terrifying. But so I tell this story. And so um, I had um, my my first published um, uh, storybook thing was the Dragonbone Flute. Then I did the first Tears of Rage book. Which is which then evolved into an imbalance of shadows. And then I had uh, a novelette come out, um, Jaludin's Road, set on another continent in the Tears of Rage world. And then I was like, for my fourth book, I want to tie something specifically into my show, into the storytelling show. And so the Halloween Jack is sort of my sequel to the Jack of the Lantern story. And it's and it starts with the premise of. What if through the use of steam-powered automatons, the devil and his demons finally figure out how to get the better of Jack, and then it's Jack's descendants have to create a new legend that's even scarier than Jack of the Lantern, and that's where we come up with Halloween Jack.
1: I I loved the twists in this one as it combines Irish lore with new Americanism um, and uh, even bits of Christianity Uh, in uh, another series that I really like is the the, the Dresden Files. And one of the things that you do successfully uh, as well is this thing of what if it's not one or the other? What if they're all real? to some degree or another. And it's just the retelling of these legends that we sometimes we get the legend wrong. In reality, they're actually like this uh, and they're really out there. So you've got uh, angels and priests working with um, these, these characters to keep the devil and his demons away. But they're also, but all these demons and little creatures are, are Irish fairy. And you know, it's, it's, it was just a great way to weave it all together. And man, The problem with having a clever protagonist is the author has to be even cleverer. So congrats for that.
2: I will will say uh, I am not as smart as Jack is. (laughs) I am am not nearly as smart as Jack is. The the thing that I have the benefit of is multiple drafts. (laughs) Um, Though I will say uh, really quick um, that the the draft that you read is pr- i wrote that but i had the i kind of wrote it backwards because i knew what the outcome is and i don't normally write like that but i knew i had to know what the outcome is because jack i knew that jack um was going to set that up like right from the get-go i knew that yeah, that's yeah. the character that he was and so i knew what was going to happen and then so i could write the story that way uh the second book um it was more challenging. So I I pretty much wrote that straight through in um, September and October of uh, 2012. And then Halloween Jack and the Curse of Frost took longer to write. It's a little longer book, but, but um, I didn't know how Jack was going to be clever. So that took a little bit. And Halloween Jack and the Red Emperors uh, has taken me even longer because I'm playing around with... Um, some chinese folklore in that around because it's the new year's story Mm -hmm. and so i'm playing around with other cultures stuff so i'm i've got subject matter experts and i'm really working because i know somebody's going to be mad at me no matter what because i'm playing outside i'm playing outside my wheelhouse but i'm doing my best to to play homage uh, and to honor the spirit and the intention of the chinese mythology while also incorporating it into this sort of existence of other mythologies that already exist in the series.
1: Well, I was really excited to find out about that, that there's additional Halloween Jack stories, because when I was done with it, I wanted to read more. So I'm well, glad that he's still going go. on. So uh, when is when will uh, Halloween Jack and the Red Emperors uh, when I'm we- done with it? Ah,
3: all right <laughs> <laughs> well in the meantime though we we've talked about halloween jack we've talked about the nine tenths memoir uh where can people who are hearing about these for the first time discover and possibly pick up a copy for themselves uh
2: if they want to if they want to get like signed copies they can email me uh gallo army at m todd dot com remember gallo Glass has one s because I'm from the Irish side of the family and not the Scottish
3: <laughs>
2: or they can, they can just go there. They can get them an Amazon, you know, or look at my schedule and come visit me at my table. And like some other people at comic cons and such, I do not charge anything extra for a signature. <laughs> that makes you
3: a great man. Uh, <laughs> it does. I, I know that we're swiftly running out of time here.
2: Oh, no, I'm having so much fun. I, it, it is fun. <laughs> I'm having
3: a great time talking about know, this, uh, speaking about this with you. I, I what I kind of want to do is I want to finish reading the nine tenths memoir and then possibly have like another interview with you in the future I'm to like down. ask you nagging questions or, you know, <laughs> things like that. You get like the behind the scenes thing. I don't I'm know. Down. We'll talk about that, but I'm down, uh, which makes me very happy by the way. Uh, but I do want just, just to inflate, not artificially, but through um, through merit. I want to inflate your nerd cred just a little bit more. Folks oh at home, you can't see this. But in his workspace, not only does he have, of course, the obligatory myriad of printed works and uh, a, a nice collection of various liquors, but he also has a rather stylish Hawaiian shirt behind him, as well as what might be a karate or a taekwondo white belt. And... Uh, Oh, Hopkido, excuse me, Hop excuse Kido. me, Hopkido. And on the very top of his bookshelf <laughs> is Seven Wonders, and this is this is the punchline, Gloomhaven. So over
2: here on this side, uh that you can't see in the frame, I have Ticket to Ride, um, uh a Geek Out, Avalon, Tiny Epic Defenders. And oh, and nice. at the top
3: over there I have also Descent and diplomacy descent oh my gosh can we can we add uh can we add uh michael todd there we go gallo can we just mtg can we add magic the gathering to our next descent uh get together (laughs) we've we've been planning to get together and play some descent because that game is so freaking rich and beautiful so awesome i love it's incredible it's incredible and actually i think you've got first edition back there is that correct uh, no, I don't know. I don't know. I got it I think, a couple years
0: ago. I
2: think I have third edition. Is what I technically so, have. And funny story about this Hawaiian shirt right here. Cause I do yes. this, I do this, I do this joke when, uh, this jokey thing, when I see people wearing a cool shirt or a cool jacket, when I'm out at cons or things like that, I'll go, oh, Hey, cool shirt, cool jacket or whatever. And they go, Oh, thanks. I said, can I have it? <laughs> and then they'll go, no. And I go, okay. But dude, at it's fan X gave me a shirt. <laughs> He was like, "Hi, here, here you go."
3: Was he wearing it like an overshirt? Like he had one underneath? and yeah, had he had it on top? he had
2: like a t-shirt underneath it, and he gave it to me. And so I'm like, now it's hanging. It like the first time that's ever happened. Did no, you barter with? There's him? a
1: pasty no, white topless geek to walking around Fanex. Oh, now <laughs> there's a pasty white geek walking around. Sure. No, he um. was fighting.
2: So the shirt is actually from Hawaii. He told me, All it's right. from
1: Hawaii. and it's oh. it's
2: a good quality shirt. It's not like some thrift store thing. And he gave it to me. It was re- and he's really cool and they started coming to my live streams and That's so a fantastic yeah. story. That wow. is so yeah. and for, now for, it's for, hanging now. It's hanging with my with my White Del
3: For uh, listeners at home, you have to understand how cool our friend MTG is. Um <laughs> so uh with with time running short, I was wondering if it was okay with my fellow co hosts if we entered the lightning round. It is, time for, it's time. Round. Right, it is time for the lightning round. Here uh, It is time for the lightning round. Todd, I, I just want you to know uh, this is a very, very simple concept here, and, and I'm sure that you've caught on just by the title. I'm going to rapid-fire ask you some questions. I just want the first answer off the top of your head. There's no need to prepare for this. No need to worry about this, okay? Wow. They're, they're mostly softball questions off the top of my noggin. I just want the answers off the top of yours. Ready? Got it. Okay, here we go. Uh, Michael Todd, what is your favorite color? gray what is your favorite food on a rainy day whatever I'm eating that's a good answer are you a pet guy previously yes no longer oh interesting uh, are you uh, are you more interested in photography music the written well no written words too easy photography music or moving pictures music and then finally what is your stance on the 1983 sci-fi classic fantasy kroll i have never seen kroll what oh my word i've never seen kroll this is your luck. first of all do you know what kroll is like are you aware
2: yes it's the thing with the star with the the star spike thing yeah i know what it is
0: i've just
3: never seen it it's on Uh, hbo max go watch it it. (laughs) it, it, okay okay but hang on hang on Because in the not terribly distant future, we are likely putting together a watch party and a charity event around watching Kroll. And it would be so awesome. I'm
2: in. To have you involved in that. (laughs) As as long as it doesn't conflict with uh, something with my kids or, or like a professional engagement, I'm in. You guys are awesome.
3: Absolutely. You guys are awesome. Uh, I, I, am, I am thoroughly thrilled. I want you to know that we've had a, uh, a scattering of answers to that question. Of course, one of them being I've never seen it. Or, of course, my favorite is I don't even know what that is. Uh, <laughs> but I'm glad that you know what it is and you haven't seen it. And you don't automatically hate it because it is, as I will gladly proclaim, one of the most underappreciated films of all time. <laughs>
1: Hmm. he's just a little passionate about it
3: <laughs> I, I am and I, and here's the thing I, I hope people who have listened to the show long enough understand i am not being facetious about this with my no he's fil- not with my film student and filmmaking background right. i genuinely view crawl as one of the most underappreciated films of all time and i hope that we get a chance to get your take on it and that we can have an exchange of words about it and uh, i hope you find beauty in it you know, uh, no one's ever given me a, a Hawaiian
1: shirt at Fanex, but this last time that I was there, I did see this guy uh, who had these amazing flame tattoo sleeves. Mm-hmm. And but he was really he was getting hassled by security, and, and they wouldn't let him in. He said, "Dude, what's the problem?" And they said, "There's no firearms allowed in this building."
2: <sighs> oh. <laughs> all right, all right. If we're doing that, if we're doing that,
1: <laughs> I love it. Bring <laughs> it, guys, bring it,
2: Galloglass. Do, do you guys know why Gandalf gets all the girls? No. Why does Gandalf get all the girls? Because he's fly, you fools. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: I mean, I mean, you got to admit he's pretty fly for a white guy. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> Tuver.
3: you know what? When he
2: was gray. <laughs> do you know what? Do you know what Sauron's
3: favorite food is? Oh. Uh, no. Uh, polenta. No.
2: Oh onion ring to rule them all onion (laughs) ring to find
3: them onion (laughs) ring to bring them all and in the kitchen dine them (laughs) uh i thought i was smart with the polenta comment because of palantir but no no that was better (laughs) (laughs) oh oh like like
2: i mean nerdy dad jokes are my are my thing
1: well, that's, that's just been, it's been wonderful visiting with you uh, tonight and uh, talking about your stuff. Before we go, do you have any uh, anything upcoming you want to let our listeners know about so they can watch out for it?
2: Yeah. So um, every uh, for the writers out there, every Tuesday night, uh, I do a writing live stream on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash mgallaglass. Uh, I also do other stuff there throughout the week. I i do a live stream uh during the day on tuesdays and thursdays i I do i live stream my writing Uh, i'm gonna start on wednesdays doing readings of my work And then on Sundays, I do a gaming stream where I play through story modes of various games and I deconstruct the stories as they go. Nice. Right now, I'm doing the campaign mode for Titanfall 2. Nice. Uh, After I do that, I'm going to uh, be playing through Horizon Zero Dawn, which I think (gasps) is possibly the greatest open-world RPG ever. Uh, I I agree with that. I have not played Forbidden West yet, so... Uh, but yeah, Horizon Zero Dawn got me through a lot of. I played through it like five times during the during the pandemic.
1: Oh wow!
2: Because it's just it's so good.
3: Uh, I have to ask you. Yeah. Have you played through The Last of Us? No. Is that the kind of game that you would play through, or is it not your cup of tea? I I, I mean, I'll
2: I'll give uh, like after I get through uh, Horizon, the, the Titanfall Two, Horizon Zero Dawn, and if I manage to get Forbidden uh, West. A PS5 so I can play Forbidden West because I'm not going to, if I'm going to play, if I'm going to get a PS, because uh, I played uh Zero Dawn on my PC. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a PC5. I'm not going to play Forbidden West. On uh, my PC.
3: I highly recommend getting one. Yeah. Uh But, but also failing that, I have a guest room and a PS5. So feel free to come back to Salt Lake City. <laughs> oh yeah. So I'm going to, I'll do a marathon stream. <laughs> absolutely absolutely i think that actually so i i stream playstation gameplay on occasion and i love having people who have never played s- certain games before uh do a playthrough <clears throat> live with me i love right. doing that kind of stuff i do have someone set up who's never played uh the last of us before and i will tell okay. you the last of us and the last of us last Two. Of us.
2: I haven't played either of those.
3: Yeah. The last of The Last of Us was a deep experience. The Last of Us Two, like, I I ugly cried within the first few hours. <laughs> like it was it's the only video game in history to make me cry.
2: Right. So and and once I get done with uh Zero Dawn, I'm only gonna I'm only gonna stream games that I haven't played before.
3: Yeah. That's yeah so a so really
2: that cool I can move. have the natural and and sort of deconstruct them because story story and story structure and those kind of choices of my jam. So, yeah,
3: I would love to get your hot take on last of us. That would be fantastic. Well, then I'll tell you what, uh, how long does the playthrough on last of us take? Oh, uh, like between 10 and 12 hours.
2: Okay. So what I'll do is then what I'll do is I'll have that as one of my palette cleansers between zero dawn and forbidden west. That's a great move.
3: That's a great move. Good deal. Well, I think we're at the end of our time. Michael, thank you so very much for this coming out. This has been this a way.
2: blast. This has been a blast. I you anytime you guys want me to come back and we can just be silly and nerd out, I'm down.
3: Uh yes, you are absolutely <laughs> gonna you are now officially a friend of the show, and the show is a friend of you. Uh, <laughs> let it be written, so let it be done. Uh but no, actually what's interesting is before the show, and actually during the show, as you would talk about some of your like uh, life experiences and personality traits, it became apparent that you are simply the avatar of all three of us hosts uh, all in one person. <laughs> so thank you very much for, for being the consummate avatar of DCR. Uh, dungeon Crawlers, thank you for listening.
1: Many thanks to uh, Michael Todd Galloglass and uh, everybody remember to let your geek flag fly. So say we
3: all. And whether or not you can read the 9/10ths memoir at a regular speed. Always remember to be epic and
0: don't suck. Remember, the Force will be with you always.